Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 416. My name is Brando. Coming up in just a moment, we'll be talking to creator, uh, frontman of whatever you want to refer, musician, just uh, cartoon genius, I think it's fair to say, uh, from Metalocalypse, Death Clock, uh, Brendan Small, creator, so the, the great animated band Death Clock from Metalocalypse. Uh, They'll be doing a tour, a new album. I do want to give you a heads up, though, because as I'm putting this interview out, I I did it like a week and a half ago. I'm so behind on my editing, so if we make any references to anything coming out, letting you know it's out now. Metalocalypse, Army of the Doomstar, the movie is out now, and the album Death Clock 4 is out now so we'll talk to him about that and of course guns and roses and then on the flip side of that we'll talk about perhaps perhaps and some of the the fan reviews that i'm behind on but without further ado let's talk to from death clock metalocalypse brendan small welcome to the podcast mr brendan small how are you i'm good thank you it's nice to be here thanks for having me anyone ever call you brendo uh yes I think so. Um, <laughs> I think they'll, yeah, sometimes they'll drop off my last <laughs> consonant and call me Brendo. Yeah, I think so. Not often, though. Not often. It's funny you say that because that's all it is, is because my name is Brandon. I know, big surprise. It's just yeah. dropping off the last yeah. letter. But people in radio come up with all these crazy names like Laser or, you know, Roach, but Brando. So I was just curious if there was a Brendo. Anyway, on that, on that note, is that helps? You know, um, I get, what I'll get is I'll get Brandon all the time is what I'll get. And uh, but the more the longer I'm in this industry, the less I get Brandon, the more I get my actual name. It's it's I'm I'm blown away by how many people have spelled my name correctly. Hmm. Well, I, I mean, mean, I have a bunch of things that are hard to spell. Metalocalypse, death, all that stuff. I was just about to say that. Yeah, you must be used to that with death clock and metalocalypse. So, I mean, you must and I appreciate this time today because you're coming out with an album, uh, you're coming out with a movie, and tour. I mean, how do you yeah. even balance all of that? Was that all supposed to happen this year, or did it all call it fall together, fall into place? No, it was it was a deliberate decision, which means you've got to like kind of like start rewinding to like three years ago, which is where we started uh, this whole thing. So three years three years ago or so we knew we were going to do this we knew that we were going to put out a record and a movie and a soundtrack album and then go on tour within the same week so so that's like so the question is how do you start how do you start how do you start it all and right. and uh and it all starts with uh with me demoing music while i'm writing the movie so i'm kind of doing two things at once which is kind of nice because if you're if you've ever written it's not always a fun process. It's always like, what, what do I do next? There's a blank page. How do I? And then you can pivot and start playing your guitar and say, I'm still working. I'm still working. I'm not avoiding that work. I'm actually 
and then you then you hit a wall there and you go okay and you keep shape shifting and keep moving around and eventually you know it's almost like i think a like a restaurant you know where some dishes take a little a little bit yeah sorry you froze you you froze your hand in the air let me see if you come back you though if you can hear me oh yeah you, you came back that's okay yeah well, yeah. it, it, it's uh, same thing as kind of your bandwidth. It's doing a lot right now, so you're doing yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So it's like uh, so so um, once you kind of once you say yes and you start engaging the production to spend money, um, that's where things start getting scary. That's where you've got like a, it's a ticking time bomb, and you have to complete this before a certain date. And you also have to be uh, um, you have to get it to a place where you've iterated and you've gotten it to where you want it to be. So all that stuff is part of the part of the job but what so. about as a creative because uh, and let me just say and of course it's all going to be in the bio and summary of the episode but metalocalypse the army of doomstar the movie that's coming out and the new album a death album for where are you creatively like because these are characters that you're it's not brendan you know fronting the band so how do you attack it with the storyline with the lyrics how do you uh, approach it as a creative person well there's like there are a lot of different approaches one is when you're when i'm when i'm death clock i'm thinking i'm death clock is telling me what to do i got nothing to do with it i mean i'm like a jerk who you know plays the guitar and does what squisker tells me what to do and then when i do the vocals i got i'm doing what nathan's telling me to do so it's like deep character stuff when i'm performing those characters in the movie they're taking over um, I do the dialogue, but they'll surprise me with improv. I don't. I. I have like. I've. I've set them up well enough at this point where they take over. Um, and then when you're the scriptwriter, you're and you're the director, you're more like um, an angry god who <laughs> takes these characters and and throws them against the wall and throws them into ceiling fans and you know throws them into a, a tree and sets them on fire and and sees if they can escape. You know, so. So the so the director and the produ- and the writer are are angry gods, and then the actor and the musician are is deep character. I, I feel like I'm Serpico. I'm just like <laughs> hanging out amongst these lunatics, trying to listen to them and trying to let them tell me what this project is. All those years ago, could you imagine? Because I know you you've been in bands, you've done stand up comedy, and I remember just I think I was in college when uh, Metalocalypse came on Adult Swim, and it was such a big right. deal for all us. You know, metal stoners. I mean, it was such a cool yeah. and different show. And uh, I, if I ever get to mention it, I mean, thank you for home movies. I mean, that was such oh, a an OG uh, Adult Swim show. But what, it was such a big deal when Death Clock became real and became yeah. a band. Can you talk about maybe the beginning of what you wanted Metalocalypse to be? And then what it's become? Did you foresee that? Was that also the plan? That you foresee? Okay, I'm gonna have this animated series with an animated band, but this is gonna become like the Gorillas. I've heard you say, like kind of like that kind of show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it really was. It, it's it's really easy to sit at you know at a table outside in Starbucks with like Tommy and the co-creator, and we would just go like this very simple kind of like seven minute whimsy would be like if we make a show and I write a song every episode at the end of the season, we could potentially put out a record. But if you put out a record, you'd have to tour it. So how do you tour an animated band? Then I looked at people like the gorillas and you see, oh, they did it. Okay, right. Because we're not the band. We're we make the sound of the band. 
and the band doesn't exist. The band is a figment of my imagination. But but we have. What if we had this gigantic screen behind us? And how would you time that? You'd probably have a click track on one side. If it's a stereo track, and you'd have like whatever, like keyboards or dialogue on the other side, and the drummer would have to do this. And so it was really like that simple. And then I just followed that same logic by the, and I said, hey, what if we put out a record? And Adult Sim was thinking the same thing. They're like, what if we put out a record? I said, yes, we're thinking the same thing. And then what if we did a tour? This is how we do it. And we'd have to produce this. We need a little bit of, we need production money. We need to be able to do this. We need to be able to have venues that can support this. So, so it was that, that whole idea. So basically, then I started thinking about who would play with me, and, and then I discovered, you know, uh, the Gene Hoagland was available, and you know, and what I found out of him was, you know, a really great long-term collaborator and uh, and great partner, and just someone who can take ideas that I have and make them cooler, make them better, and play them with just amazing, ferocious power and intensity. And so, so yeah, so, so I was asking for all this stuff, but I, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't know if it was ever going to work or if, if it was going to um, come to fruition, but, but ultimately it was really seriously like a, me thinking for about as long as I talked just now. And that's how I came to the conclusion. And I was just like, yeah, if you did this and you did that, then you could do this. And then you'd have to get a bus driver and you have to get a bus and then I'll let tour managers kind of figure out that and map that out. And then see if we can and then we like we did a tour like an early tour and we kind of figured out what would what worked what didn't what didn't work uh, why it didn't work rather and um and then so the, and then and then also we're just like hey we should go out with metal bands and you know because they i think they paired us with and you will know us by the trail of the dead which is very cool band but just not the same genre and mm -hmm. so so what we would have are like our show was getting popular so it would get big crowds for us and then this band who was a great band on their own was kind of getting neglected because it wasn't the same genre and they were playing this very interesting indie rock stuff that wasn't the same you don't mosh to it basically right. you don't have the same kind of intensity so uh, so we were like okay and then we went out with um you know Sony in the green and chimera and uh and that was an awesome tour and we were like okay here we go and then we you know go out with mastodon then we go out with you know Machine Head and uh, Black Dahlia Murder and all those guys. So it was all just like this is this seems to make sense. So and we're going out again for this whole crazy thing with baby metal with a uh, baby metal. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. it's gonna be nuts. That that, that is cool. And, and two shows. I mean, that's a great tour. I mean, I gotta I gotta say this, and hopefully, because I gotta at some point I gotta start bringing my young son to shows. Yeah, he's gonna be was he sixteen weeks now? He's He's oh too young. God. I yeah. wanted him to bring yeah. him to Metallica, too young, and Guns N' Roses, it's too young. So in the future, definitely want to take him to a Death Clock uh, show and just yeah, have that experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he had a brief on this morning. He's sitting where exactly where I'm sitting right now while I'm kind of doing prep for this interview. And he's mm -hmm. being fussy. I'm like, all right, you know what? Let me put on some music to distract him. And I put, <laughs> I put on your album, the most recent album, and it totally yeah. calmed him down. It was uh, Death Album That's 4. That's so nuts. Yeah, the, the, so nuts. From uh, the Gardener of Vengeance to Aortic de yeah. de Desecration. And my wife is like, uh, okay, I, is this good that this is working, that he's calm right now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to mention that That's to crazy. you. Yeah. It's, I've heard people play, like, Thunder Horse for their babies and the family, you know, and, like, I've heard that before, but music does crazy things for kids. You know, I don't know if there was a lot of music played for me when I was a kid, but 
my parents definitely played music when I was around, you know, when I was growing up and all that music would end up being really influential. And and um, like they would play Andrew Lloyd Webber, like Jesus Christ Superstar, and they would play um, Evita. Hmm. And that music is so powerful on those records. And 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 then I'd watch like Tommy on cable or something like that from The Who and mm-hmm. Ken Russell. And I would uh, and eventually like I realized that I just love I love music and I love storytelling with music and that all that stuff back way back then is definitely still fresh in my brain now all these years later and I'm still using it creatively so I don't know I think it's important to like I think it's important that just hearing things is such an important just hearing music and the moodiness of music is really exciting and interesting and trying to understand it is is really cool when you're a kid and to watch his eyes you know watching the video and in the cartoon because you know it's at this age I mean I still love cartoons so it's a better excuse for me to watch cartoons at almost 40 now that you know having a kid now so it's okay so i can i can go yeah. back and watch whatever but that l- leads me to lends me to ask this as somebody who has a uh, an animated persona you know mm-hmm. how do you, what is that like for you is there a duality issue perhaps and being like i'm while you're the front man and you're out there like if you see your live shows and i've only watched on youtube yeah. you're kind of in the dark you know you're, yeah. you're the screen is there is that yeah. but that is that's like a show that's great that means you could you could tour endlessly for the rest of your life and never age if you wanted to <laughs> right, nobody right. would but so what is that something that you like having having this yes, peter yeah. steele-esque so, persona <laughs> um, this is well yeah this is like i don't think that's my persona at all i don't think any of those characters are my persona i make the sounds for them mm-hmm. but they are their own thing so i what i try to do is both make the sounds live and kind of try to stay out of the way at the same time because it's not about me so like anytime someone look we did a bunch of we did a big interview with revolver and my main thing was can you get my picture out of this thing can you can you take all these pictures and get out of there because it's not about me it's about the audience and their relationship with these characters you know what i mean and the fact is like i'm doing live kind of like recreation of what the record is and and so we never even my our joke when me and the band and gene and everybody we we joke that uh we're not death clock we're the metalocalypse players what we're <laughs> meant to do is sound like death clock and make the you know get all the guitar harmonies do it all live do all these crazy acrobatic feats you know of guitar uh, mastery or drum mastery rather and um and try to just put on the ultimate show because the show to me is meant to be more of like a theme park ride. If you've ever been to like Universal Studios or something like that, it's meant to feel like the Terminator 2 ride where <laughs> yes. bad guys come and talk to you and you're like, boo, and then the good guy comes, yay. And it should be like a really fun, crazy thing that feels like it's just, we press play, we're playing all the music live in person and it should just feel like a, you're flipping through a comic book with double kicks just driving you from song to song. And um and that's the feeling. I want it to feel like a ride because I go to a lot of shows. And every time I go to a show, I always ask myself, did I get the most out of this experience? And what would I have done differently? So when I watch a show, when I go see like Mr. Bungle or King Diamond or, you know, uh, Iron Maiden, I look at the band and then I'm looking at the audience and I'm looking at the band and I'm looking at the audience mm. and I'm looking at the pit and I'm looking at the band and I'm looking at the stage show and the lights. And I'm thinking, OK, can I afford this? Can I do that? 
those guys way up there are they getting the same show as these guys mm. if i can do that we've got something and that's why baby metal's part of this tour too because they're theatrical on stage yeah and i just want to really make this fun we've been stuck in our houses for how long <laughs> stuck with this pandemic let's go out and have some fun and this show's going to be fun awesome fun. awesome yeah. and uh the, I, i'll flip to the movie because the movie looks yeah. fun and you got a pretty great cast you know, you got yeah. Mark Hamill is in there. You got King Diamond, uh, Kirk yeah. Hammett. Can you tell us yeah. how that kind of came together and how you got some of these big names involved? Well, Mark Hamill is and, and uh, Malcolm McDowell Malcolm and Vic oh, yeah. Brands. They're all like they're all kind of they've been from the show uh, on the show. Mark Hamill's in every single episode of Metalocalypse. Mm-hmm. He's in this is and so there was a strange time where he was. It wasn't a strange time. It was a time where he had kind of completed being Luke Skywalker. And now he was this voiceover actor and he was also doing live action stuff. But but he was available. And I really, really am so thankful that he participated in this project and came back for this movie. And same with same with all the actors who participated in, in the show and came back for the movie. They're so they're so they're such great actors. They bring with them so much gravitas and so much important kind of movie just movie history you know they i mean that's luke skywalker's star wars and particularly the empire strikes back is one of the most beautiful gorgeous dreams that i've ever seen that made its way into a movie theater um clockwork orange is a wonderful gorgeous nightmare it's one of the most beautiful things in the world so that and then plus metallica plus you know kirk hammett plus you know scotty and 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 uh king diamond these are all great musical storytellers all in the same place and it's just it's a way to just kind of say like i love all of these people a lot and that's what made me and that's why they're here and but they're also great at acting and great at entertaining and doing all that stuff so i'm just lucky to have them all there i know usually when uh people doing voiceovers for cartoons or animated series they're not always together but I'm just getting, yeah. out of curiosity. Did you watch somebody who, like Mark Hamill, who was the Joker, the Batman, uh, Batman animated series, or uh, John Hamm? Did you watch? Is that something that you want to do, or you just yeah, let them I was be? In the same, it was different for every single one. So some of them I did on Zoom. Some of them have their own. Like Mark Hamill had his own home studio. Oh, cool. Um, but I've recorded with him in person before. But um, and Malcolm McDowell was also on Zoom. He was like probably he was like somewhere in somewhere in the in the world. <laughs> Um, John Hamm was in the same room with. Um, oh no, I think I was on Zoom, but he was like in uh, another room. I don't even remember anymore. Hmm. Some actors were in the same room, and I was like on one side of the booth, and they were on the other side. Um, but uh, yeah, it, particularly now, it's uh, isolated recording was kind of like par for the course because we were doing this some of the stuff in the pandemic or just after it, and. Um, but it's always nicer to be in the same room and to kind of be in the same place. Like in home movies, for example, that was all really, it was so important that we were all in the same room, myself and John Benjamin and Melissa Galski, always improvising behind partitions where we had like a little little uh, kind of portal where we could see each other and kind of check in with each other and listen to each other and, and just behave around each other while we were still in these characters. So um, it's always nice when you can, but when you can't, you just try to make it work as as well as you can when you have pros it's easier sweet sweet um and i gotta ask because obviously you see all the gnr stuff in the back appetite for oh, distortion yeah. it's a guns and roses themed podcast sure, I, sure. I, I use that six degrees of gnr bacon uh, yeah. as i call and it's so funny um the the rep that reached out to me when i, I saw that you were um you know i get the press release 
And I was yeah. like, okay, I would love to interview Brendan. He's like, and she's yeah. like, oh, what's the connection? GNR connection. I'm like, well, did, have you ever seen this episode of Metalocalypse with this band Snakes and Barrels, you know, and, and apostrophe. So yeah. um, I, I'm curious. I mean, yeah, that seems to be the obvious play of Guns N' Roses, but any more influences uh, in Metalocalypse from Guns N' Roses? And do you personally well, have a GNR story? Um, well, Slash has been on the show. There you go. So Flash has done voices on the show, and um, I—he's one of my favorite guitar players of all time. Um, that was one of the first when I was like, you know, learning le- learning about heavy metal isn't it, it? It all happens at an important age, or it did for me at least when I was like thirteen, fourteen. I remember I made like a decision. I saved my money, and, I, and on one day, I bought two records, and I had planned this out, and I'd saved my money, and I had it with me, and I'd like get it into my pocket and make sure I'm counting out and make sure I had enough. And I went to the record store, and I bought two records. One was Def Leppard's Hysteria, which was one of my favorite records, and still is. And the other one is Appetite for Destruction. And the, and I just, I just, like, it's almost like I broke out of this world and started, like, floating around in this kind of hmm. astral plane of gorgeous music and guitar playing and aggression and, and all this power and darkness and all this really cool stuff so appetite for destruction is like one of the records where i'll just go on a long walk you know twice a year and just go top to bottom back and forth and listen to every little overdub between izzy and slash and i mean it's just one of the greatest bands that's ever existed so i love guns and roses i love axel i love everybody so there's definitely like we thought that pickles was kind of almost like a Dave Grohl where he had maybe been in a Nirvana at some point, but uh, then joined Death Clock. And um, so we always thought Pickles, the drummer, was in some kind of a something between like, you know, a, um, a Guns N' Roses and, a, you know, Aerosmith-ish kind of rock band, you know, of that of that kind of genre. And so it got me like so they're like songs where I would get a talk box and play, you know, guitar with like where Slash would do something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I would try to like do some kind of things in the style. And then one of the coolest, one of the coolest days was Slash was working on an animated project. This is years ago at the same company. And he was there and I was there. And then a big box of pedals came from MXR Dunlop, you know, a bunch of wah pedals and distortion pedals. And Slash was there when that box came in. And together we kind of like opened up this box and went through all these pedals. And he's like, that's a cool one. I have this, I have this. And then I had this one phaser pedal that was on like a in like a a wah chassis like this by the way this is slash's wah pedal right here i just oh. happen to have i use this on the record by the way oh that's cool uh, yeah so this is like his uh the slash wah it's got like a little distortion thing you can kick in a little booster thing and it says his name it, right on it and it says his name right on it and it says crybaby it says it right there too slash, slash so wow. um i remember so yeah there so anyway we went through all these pedals and, and there i was talking to him and and anytime i saw him afterwards he's just the he's slash he's the coolest guy in the world and, and just a monster guitar player i mean i've seen him live and boy does he bring it every single time is that who and uh, i have some questions uh for you before uh, we wrap up in a couple minutes uh my buddy matt barry he uh, he wanted me to mention home movies, but spe- uh, specifically Dwayne. Is that modeled yeah. off a of slash? A little bit. You know, it's 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 uh Dwayne was kind of like he to us was like that quintessential kind of heavy metal kid with like you know he grew his hair out. He kind of speaks in one word syllables, and 
you know, has those big 10 issues with the tongues kind of hanging out, you know, <laughs> yeah. those high tops and stuff. And it wasn't necessarily slash, but I think it's all in there. And I didn't really like, I didn't really have too much with character to do with characters back then. Cause I was just this kid who was writing it. And, um, but that was like, I, I saw Dwayne and I was like, yeah, that's the idea. That's what he should be. And I, I mean, all of that's like it or not slashes in my dna and guns and roses inside like deep and uh, i love I, I really i'm such a such a huge fan of their stuff so it's hard for it to not sneak in you know sure i love that uh this question is from uh dustin please ask him uh if or when they're going to release the studio version of water horsey blues aka the snakes and barrels song that is a crazy song with uh i remember recording that and that's the one where I use the talk box for it, and only the all, the only thing you know, it would boy, I wish I had like the time and the resources to do all these offshoot bands and do like <laughs> a record for Dr. Roxo and Snakes and Barrels and uh, sure, Toki's like whimsical, you know, dream songs that are like ELO meets you know, Queen or whatever, who knows? But, um, I, I that's that's always nice to hear that people remember that stuff, but um, there is there's no plan as of yet, uh, okay. maybe maybe change who knows uh well how about these plans this is from uh, matt he would love to know if there are any plans for releasing a complete metalocalypse soundtrack with the songs that didn't make the death clock albums yeah that'd be the same thing i mean same here's thing? what i would yeah i would i would do i would do like you know for for every song i would for every episode the challenge was at the at the stop and this nobody asked me to do this and nobody even asked for this show nobody asked for anything <laughs> but 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 the challenge that I wanted to give myself was can I write a new piece of music every week in addition to like the score and like you know, the mood and all the mood enhancing stuff but the the a song which is like which is what like a verse a chorus a bridge and maybe go into a guitar solo and maybe I can crunch it down to 35 seconds 45 seconds sometimes a minute sometimes two minutes um, and then that would always be the give and take where we pull from the narrative to make room for the music and we would always be kind of like measuring that out because you always have to come to a specific time to land the bird you know at the very end and, and deliver it to the network so um so some of these songs would just stay in their current form forever like 45 seconds 35 seconds 22 seconds and some of them would graduate and become uh you know go to college and show up <laughs> on the rack and and usually it was audience reaction you know like what did the audience really pick because i'm making the episode and i'm and we're watching the audience watch the show and we're seeing what's landing. And so I go, yeah, definitely. This is going in the record. This is going in this one. No one really talked about this one. And then also, if I'm really excited by something, if I really want to take something to the finish line, then I'll push for it, too. OK, OK. Uh, it, it, like as you mentioned, I think it's cool that people remember these things. And I mean, come on, guys. He, he has three projects going on alone today. I mean, he has enough yeah. on his plate. So the big date is August twenty second, right? That's when the movie will be available on streaming and the, yeah. the record comes out. And the record comes out, but it's not just one record; it's two records. And the way I look records. at this whole project is, we've got a a, a a soundtrack album, which is to me really it's such an important storytelling part of the movie so when you watch the movie you're going to be hearing lots of score and synthesizer and orchestra we actually got an orchestra to play with us the budapest orchestra in the score department and so i think the movie the narrative the characters is one thing the death album is the brutality and the mystical and the score is the uh the emotional center of the movie and they all go together they all go together so 
um, if you're gonna get one, I think you should get them all because you got to check it out because they really all do something completely different, but they're all coming from the same kind of central DNA kind of like brain. Very cool. Well, congratulations. This is um, you know, just very. Again, it's a creative person's dream, I think, what you're being able to do and to have the support and the fan base over these years that, that allows, because it doesn't always happen to, to have these, these things fulfilled. And, and you're doing it. You're living the dream, Brendan. You're totally right. It's really fun to be creative on your own and make music for yourself just to listen to. But the fact that this came together in the way that it did is because there's a fan base out there. And, and without them, there wouldn't be a, there w- none of this would have happened. So. Um, so thanks for everyone for being vocal over the years and, uh, and here it is. I, I'm, I'm excited for everyone to check it out and, uh, to, to take it all in. Awesome. This was a lot of fun and I hope we get to do this again. Absolutely. That was great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. He was a really cool guy. That was a lot of fun. You could tell that he enjoyed talking about Guns N' Roses. Not all guests, the, you know, where I have to use that six degrees of GNR bacon to get to interview them and you don't know how tight their affiliation is with the band and their appreciation is but you could tell that he enjoyed talking about some gnr and his relationship with with slash and talking about appetite for destruction um and i apologize again i wish i i pride myself on getting these episodes out quick you know, like i usually i get this in response from from labels and managers like whoa you turned this around really really quick i know it's a podcast and that's not necessarily what you need to do it's pre-recorded of course but i like to feel like i just did this interview i just i want you to experience it as close as i can get to you being here live with me it's just been difficult with a four-month-old <laughs> baby brownstone yeah I, I get to include him in some episodes but there are time he needs you know some one-on-one you know daddy time i you know, got a take care of him and he takes uh use of all your limbs like you have no arms free you're just holding him and bouncing him up and down and feeding him and all this stuff and all we that are parents you know the deal so i would have loved to have done some more reviews in the past uh, week or so and it's certainly no shortage of submissions so before i forget i want to give a couple of uh thank yous uh this one uh, pittsburgh that's the place to be this year where we got uh, perhaps I thought you know as we discussed last episode with uh, Lauren Schaffner of, of Loudwire we both were at the uh, the show in New Jersey we thought maybe we would get it there because th- we heard rumors that they and well I guess this is the only time I believe when a song is coming when you the fans are outside taping the sound check okay, I can hear it. The band is acknowledging in some way that this thing exists. So when I heard that they had rehearsed perhaps twice, I thought I was getting it. Did not. Happy for my friends. Uh, you bad apples, I got it. So let me give a shout out to Nate Allison, uh, him and his dad. You may remember a couple years ago, he was uh, and his dad did the show review for Hershey, Pennsylvania. I was also at that show as well, the first of that, that tour leg. And it was his first Guns N' Roses concert ever. So I think it was his first concert ever. And his second concert ever gets to hear perhaps live in, in, in Pittsburgh. Um, so, uh, I Nate, thank you. And your dad, they, they submitted. They wanted to come back on. But just haven't had the time. And now, as I'm putting this episode out, it's, it's old news. 
you know, it's 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 old news, and uh, I always say the conversation continues in between the broadcasts. So we've been talking about the live debut, of perhaps for for quite some time. So I just wanted to acknowledge, you know, thank you, thank you uh, for your submissions for wanting to do it, but just haven't had the time. And same thing with with Boston at the show at Fenway Park, Fenway Pack, where it it rained. It just rained. It, it, my buddy Maddie B who sent me a video of perhaps told me it started raining during slither that it was fun but a lot of people got wet and uh so let me just give a shout out to uh brian who wanted to do a fenway review but in addition to me being tired and having no time he's like that the show kicked him in the butt (laughs) he's like uh it was uh a lot of fun um, but yeah, he's like, we got absolutely soaked at, at Fenway. So, uh, I just needed to, to crash and I get it. It takes a lot of energy to do these. It does. You just think it's just talking about guns and roses, but you got to talk about passion with passion. Uh, so it does. And I completely understand. So hopefully in the future, Brian, we can get you on to do a fan review or, or, or whatever. I'll, I love incorporating you guys and gals in this podcast, which leads me to, Instead of just giving a shout out, let's do it under the guise of a segment I haven't done in a while and a soundbite I haven't played in a while. And that is Mr. Mailstone. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. So as I mentioned, I love involving you in this podcast. I would not have been 400 episodes deep without you. And it's not just because of listenership, it's your involvement. It's helping me ask the right questions. It's just your support. It's, it's, uh, it's just being involved in being a co-host. It's being involved in doing reviews in the, in the fan reviews that I've done, just talking about your Guns N' Roses fandom. So I always encourage that. So that in mind, I got an email from uh, Adam Kale. Uh, good morning. How professional you started. Uh, I recently I recently stumbled upon your podcast by uh, way of your Sean Bevan interviews and subsequently many more, and I am now a huge fan. It is great to see someone with a real appreciation for Chinese democracy. I thought I was the only one. I thought I was alone. Nope. Nope, nope, no. You are not alone. Not at all. Since you often speak with people outside the guns camp about their appreciation for guns, I thought... Uh, and I, I'm sure you're not looking for suggestions, but I gambled that this one might be uh, considered or anyone's uh, or might not have been on anyone's radar. You might consider speaking with Aaron North. I don't think I've gotten that suggestion before. North is the former guitarist for the infamous, and I preface this with I don't know who this is, Incaris Line, Incaris Line. I, it's a band I'm not familiar with. What I am familiar with is that he is the guitarist that replaced Robin Fink when Fink left Nine Inch Nails for Guns N' Roses. Uh, North is a huge Guns N' Roses fan, he writes, and is bursting with tons of Guns N' Roses lore. He grew up in L.A. and is an unbelievable encyclopedia of rock and roll knowledge. He's also funny and an incredible guitar player and performer himself. Are you a PR guy, Adam? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, sorry to toss an uninvited suggestion your way. But I'm a huge fan of the show, and I think North would be an awesome and rewarding interview. Um, 
yeah, you're a Adam. Thank you for reaching out and all the kind words. But yeah, you're a new listener because I say it all the time. Please, even when I'm not directly soliciting for guests, please, I, I no issue with that. You are all my producers. That's how I look at this. I'm a, yeah, I'm a one man band, but. Uh, <laughs> I need your help. And I thought this was pretty cool that Adam continued. Uh, he wrote Buckethead a letter when he was 13. And he wrote back to me as his puppet. <laughs> he thinks the letter is in a binder somewhere. You need to find that shit, man. That's, that's, uh, that's quite incredible. And also, he said something really where I'm trying to find it. A couple back and forths I had with this... Uh, this guy oh he is a music composition um he's a music composition uh, doctoral student see i can't even say it you're so much smarter than me and he gave a composition talk uh two semesters back on bucket and bumblefoot's playing styles on chinese democracy <laughs> just to say show how serious he is <laughs> that's pretty freaking serious man oh that those the this is the guns and roses fans these are the guns and roses fans we need to find See, I haven't found all of you bad apples out there. So plenty of you who are diehard gunners, the guy's doing like <laughs> complete compositions. He's a doctoral student about Chinese democracy. And uh, yeah, man, we, we got to, I don't know if it works out. I did send, I sent him a, a, a DM, uh, Aaron North on Instagram. So maybe if it works out, maybe you'll be a co-host. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but I do want to mention, because it's been a bit, uh, yeah, because I haven't been able to do the reviews, just been too busy, and I, if I could do a review for every Guns N' Roses concert, I would do it. Um, what could help, maybe, is if you help me pay for a babysitter, <laughs> you can send stars on Facebook videos, super thanks on YouTube videos, you can hit up my Patreon, which is on, uh, there's a link to top of my, most, most of my social media pages have the link tree link and my patreon is up there so you can help me pay for a babysitter and i could do more episodes so that's a that's a pretty good deal right i'm not asking for much <laughs> uh, but i want to mention because perhaps it's now available and everywhere the music video i think is cool yeah it's not november rain it's not estranged it's not this giant production but it's a lot of just great tour footage of just this guns N' roses band this ver current version just having a ton of fun you're seeing everyone from management to the road crew to every single member of gnr not just the big three and it's well put together so it, it is cool it's already hit over two million views on youtube so awesome to have a, a guns N' roses new song new video and look we were never meant to hear the leaks this should have been the first time we're hearing perhaps maybe the the only butt fumble should have been the touch tunes fiasco but people comparing the demos look this is a look through going back in time what chinese democracy would have sounded like with slash and duff instead of bucket and tommy which is what some people wanted so now we're getting songs written that during that era with a more classic sounding guns and roses which is what people complained about at that time now people are complaining about it Oh, we want all new. We want Izzy back. Just appreciate what they're doing, man. <laughs> I'm in that boat. More Axl Rose. And yeah, I understand some, if not all, the vocals on these songs were recorded a long time ago. 
that doesn't bother me either because I just don't think this is the end. This is the t- tip of the iceberg. Just like with the the touring, they're kind of dipping their toe in with stuff. And I believe when this tour leg comes to an end, this recent U.S. run, Slash is going to do his blues stuff, his mild stuff. Duff's going to do his solo stuff. And Axel is going to be tinkering. Uh, and also, who's to say that Axel went to Slash and Duff and is like, oh, we're, we're doing... We're doing these Chinese democracy songs. Who's to say Slash or Duff didn't go to Axel and go, let's finish what we started. Let's let's patch some holes here in our history. And then let's go back and write all new stuff with the people who we are now. I'm completely making this up, but who's to say that didn't happen? Who's to say Axel's a dictator still doing all these things? I, I just don't see it going down the way a lot of fans think it goes down. It, we just don't know. And I'm happy that they're touring. Uh, I'm happy that they're just there have been no issues. We're way past that. This was like, are they ever going to get back together, Axel and Slash? Are they going to break up? How long this is this going to last? Oh, they're never going to do anything. Then we get silkworms in the, in the, in the version of Absurd. So whenever they, we say that they can do something, something happens. But yes, it would be nice if uh, Izzy's never coming back, Steven's never coming back, but more involvement, more inclusion. Yes, I get that. That would be great. If they come out with a new album, would it be even more amazing if they did some guest spots on the album? Yes, fantastic. But I think anything less than that is an insult to Richard and to Frank and their tenure and their work. I have no, I have no desire to do that. I have no Frank. I don't know the difference between drumming styles. I'm not a musician. I love his personality. I love who he is. To me, he fits. He, he's, he's great for Guns N' Roses. That's how I look at it. And, uh, and Richard, I mean, he's been with the band for so long. You know, it's funny. My buddy, Matty B, who I said was at Fenway, he sat way up. But still, there's no excuse, Matty. He thought Richard was Izzy, and he thought he missed the news that Izzy came back. <laughs> there are some fans that if you're on the peripheral, you, you just don't know. Yeah, I mean, they kind of look alike, and that's a little awkward, but they're different people, and Richard has earned his place in the band, and uh, as somebody who's never seen the Appetite 5 or Izzy play live, I would love to see it, but not on a full-time basis. That's just, unless Richard quits, and and then that's the only thing I could think of, unless it's like an equal, you know, where DJ said he quit to make room for Slash. If it's kind of amicable, I, I, that's something I can get behind. But otherwise, you know, I support this current version of, of the band. And looking forward to, look at the Sneaky Sneaks, what they did. When Perhaps came out and the what we can get, the physical copies of Perhaps, where the other side of it has the general. What? This isn't a fan-made Artwork, which we're seeing going around with Atlas Shrugged. You hear rumors on Reddit and 4chan or about Atlas Shrugged. I don't give any of that any credence whatsoever, even if it turns out to be right. I, until Axel says something or something related to like I said before, unless I hear them sound checking it or I happen to know somebody in the know, which usually is like I found out about perhaps a little bit before the rest of everybody because I was in radio because I am in radio, uh, but I, it's, it's just funny to me where the only time we really heard about it was Brain on this podcast saying where they got the name from, General So's Chicken. 
Chinese food. <laughs> I doubt the song is going to be about Chinese food. So it's going to be really interesting to see, and or better yet, hear what has become of the general when it finally comes out. And my guess, only a guess, is that it will be streaming before uh, we wait for the physical copy. Or who knows? Maybe that'll boost up sales for the physical copies of perhaps the only way to hear the general. Hmm. Until it gets leaked online. <laughs> I really am just trying not to do that anymore. I don't want to hear any leaks, any demos, because it just, it, it changes your first impression of the artist's final presentation. And that's just not the way it was meant to be heard. Okay, I hear you. Well, we don't know if we we're going to get music. It was never going to come out. Well, this is just a topic of conversation that we've had and will continue to have as Guns N' Roses fans. And I wouldn't have it any other way. So what is to come on the podcast? Well, I do want to get to more reviews. Certainly, even though I'm behind and I've been busy, it is not a discouragement for submitting. Please keep doing so. Facebook, X, Twitter, Instagram, um, email, the AFD show at gmail.com. Upcoming shows, uh, please just let me know. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I will do my best because I love meeting and, and talking to you. Uh, about this band and just seeing you're just uh, meeting crazies just like you. I mean, my God, I, I think I'm the crazy one with the GNR podcast. Whenever I'm like uh, go to a party and like I went to a 40th birthday party and I'm telling people about all I do about Guns N' Roses and all I talk about, it, I feel like such a nerd at a place like they don't give a shit. But then I get this guy like Adam emailing me saying that he's doing like compositions about Chinese democracy and writing letters as a kid uh, to Buckethead. So there are plenty of you out there that are way nerdier than me, and I love it. I love it. So let's keep this podcast going. We're absolutely going to do that. So until the next episode, when are you going to see it? When are you going to hear it? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. security, I'm going home.